Presented by Kamuk Ukulele Magazine, this is Ukulele Stories. This episode is brought to you by Jacaranda Music and Carla's new solid body ukulele. The perfect on-stage counterpart to the electric guitar and electric bass, this unique instrument can be played clean or paired seamlessly with external instrument effects such as chorus, delay and distortion, all without any concerns of audio feedback. Tenor-sized, they're available in acacia or maple, feature a satin wood grain finish, and come standard with volume and tone control knobs, a low G-string, and a preamp powered by a 9-volt battery, not the 3-volt lithium battery which is now heavily restricted. A Carla-branded gig bag is also included, so you can hit the road and start rocking out immediately. With an RRP of $299 US dollars, or $595 Australian dollars, they're great value for money. Go to carlabrand.com after the show for more info. Hi, it's Cameron here with another episode of Ukulele Stories. Lucy LaForge crafts catchy pop songs and videos that are equal parts beautiful, optimistic and quirky, and is also well known for her mental health advocacy within the LGBTQ community. I've been a big fan of the Californian singer-songwriter since I first heard her indie project Lucy and Lemaire, so I was very excited to finally connect with her. We had a really fun, wide-ranging conversation, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it as much as we did. Let's jump in. Lucy, thank you for joining me on Ukulele Stories. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> We've been trying to get this together for a long time, so it's uh, amazing to have you here and to get your thoughts on various things. Uh, first up, you've just been moving house, which is the most horrendous thing in the world. I've, <gasps> I've done it 11 times I counted up, so it's, it's no. horrendous. Yeah. 11 times? Yeah, over three continents too. So that's, uh, yeah, great. Oh, that's impressive. <laughs> well, oh, I, I or is it, sh- or is it just traumatizing? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I've really, I've only moved once since landing in Los Angeles and I could not believe I'm still in it. There's boxes everywhere. I'm surrounded. But it's really quite an emotional thing, moving. It is. For me, yeah. at least. Yeah. No, it Packing is. Because I mean, well, it's packing up all your stuff, and it's also kind of leaving the place where, you know, things have happened, good or bad. So it's yes. also a connection to the, the place. Absolutely. Um, well, where did you actually come from then? So you're an LA-based artist now. Uh, where did you begin your kind of musical journey then? Not too far away, honestly. I grew up in Southern California in the more desert inland part. Um, so I'm just a couple hours away from where I grew up. However, I did a lot of traveling and, you know, it's kind of funny how sometimes you end up back where you started, but I realized California has so much, so much in the music realm and Los Angeles in particular, even though I would never dream of moving here as a Californian, it's not our favorite place, but the amount of musicians here and just positive, like dreamers and aspiring musicians, it's a wonderful place to be. And a lot of ukulele players too. Very true. Yeah. Now you you play under the name Lucien Lemaire, um, obviously the C mm-hmm. in French. Uh, why did you choose that name? Well, for one, I'm very glad you said obviously the C in French because <laughs> nobody's nobody knows what okay. it means. Not obviously. But... <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad that you think so. But yeah, I really I liked the name. I've always envisioned myself playing with a band. It's rarely just me. So having a name that would be, you know, me and the rest of the musicians on stage was important for me to make it feel more like, you know, an indie group uh, of musicians as opposed to just Lucy LaForge. Mm. 
So do you have a, a regular band or is it kind of a rotating roster of people you work with? It's been rotating for years and years, but I'm very lucky because a lot of the same people will rotate in and out depending on what other tours they're on. And, you know, it's always different. It always sounds a little different because I always have different players with me. But I think that's what makes it really special each time we do a tour or play live. I think that's actually a really good idea. You know, rather than sort of tethering yourself to certain people, yeah, it'll promote more creativity, I guess. Definitely. Yeah, you know, you'll have one guitarist who says, oh, I think a solo would sound really cool here. Uh, you know, even if it doesn't match the recorded track, it's kind of fun and it gives the audience something new and different. So if they're like singing along with a song and then all of a sudden you surprise them with like a crazy drum beat or you switch it up, it's it's a nice it's a nice change. And it keeps it interesting for me too. Yeah. Well, your, your, your actual name is Lucy LaForge. Which I think it's a great name. No relation to Geordie LaForge from Star Trek, I assume. <laughs> um, I like to say it is. <laughs> I like to say that's my claim to fame. <laughs> so how old were you when you started playing music then? I was, I was 10 when I asked my dad to show me how to play some chords on the guitar. Because my dad is an awesome guitar player, great singer, and he would always just pick up the guitar and play it at family gatherings. And when I was about 10, I saw... You know, we, we didn't watch a lot of TV as kids. We grew up in the country and we were outside constantly. But I saw MTV for the first time. We were staying at a hotel on a family vacation and I, I saw music videos for the first time. And I just went, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And I looked at my dad and I was, you know, I saw the connection. I was like, dad, can you teach me some chords? So he taught me, you know, a handful of chords. And I, I just played those chords for a very long time until I found the baritone ukulele found one in our garage and I was so happy. I said, this is me, like this instrument is me. Like a guitar was not, it's fun, but it wasn't the best fit. And when I picked up that baritone ukulele, I just knew it was gonna be a very long lasting relationship. So have you stuck with the baritone or do you have any other favorite sizes? I mean, I, I love them all equally, but I do play the baritone <laughs> <Correct>. the most. <laughs> yes, you can't, they're right behind me. We can't. <laughs> they're actually behind me and on the wall yeah. as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> See, I'm so excited to put up my ukuleles. I had finally put them up at my last place and then I and then I moved. So that's my project this week. But, but yeah, so I think the baritone really stuck out to me because the warm tone of the baritone and my knowledge of guitar already, since it's a similar tuning, just really made it, I don't know, it, it felt very special. And the smaller ukuleles have a very classic ukulele sound. And I felt that it was difficult to write a lot of the songs that I was writing, which had more folky, rootsy, lyrical stylings on a ukulele. I felt like the baritone really matched the, the tone of the song I was trying to write. Mm. Do you remember the first song you ever wrote on the uke? Yes. Do I? <laughs> Do I? I'm not sure I can. Uh... <laughs> now, I, now I think about it as well. <laughs> now I'm questioning. Uh, I believe the first song I wrote on the ukulele is a song called Heaven, which did end up making it onto my first EP at the very last minute, like a month before I released it. I, I love never. that song. Oh, thanks. It's a good one. It's, it's nice and simple. It's only a few chords. And I picked up that baritone uke and I just very slowly started strumming like note by note. And I was like, wow, I feel so much calmer. You know, I'm someone who has a lot of anxiety every day. And something about the ukulele just really calmed me down. And that song in particular just was so cathartic for me. 
But yeah, I think that was the very first one. Do you have a, a songwriting process or routine now? I do now, but for years, I really just waited for the emotions to hit me, you know? So I'd go months, yeah, you too. Uh, I'd go months without writing music and then, you know, I'd break up with someone or something terrible would happen. And all of a sudden I was writing an album. And what I've learned is if you really want to be a songwriter full time or performer full time, you got to do this every day. You can't wait for the inspiration to hit. You've got to sit down at the same time in the same place each day and write a song. And some days those songs are going to be terrible. I have so many terrible songs and I love them, but they're not good. And <laughs> so now I have more of a routine. You got to get the quantity if you want the quality. Definitely. Is that how you write as well? Uh, haphazardly. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't have a routine and I should. And it's one of my kind of New Year's resolutions is to, to sit down and do it properly. But it, it is, great. I mean, I think I'm, you know, in the same boat as many of our listeners and I don't have much time because I have a, a fairly full-time job and everything else that's going on. So it's difficult, but you have to do it. I mean, you, if you want to make a career of it especially you have to do it what mm -hmm. actually leads quite nicely into my next question is how did you go then from you know picking up the baritone in the garage to actually kind of breaking into the the music industry oh yeah well i was studying to be a therapist i really wanted to pursue research psychology clinical psychology and i realized that i was completely overwhelmed and i was dealing with some mental health issues myself and, you know, I wondered for a moment, oh, I wonder if this is why I've been so interested in the mental health world. Uh, am I just trying to heal something? Because when I started playing music, I felt just this wave of relief and this wave of just feeling like I was actually in my body, you know, for the first time, you know, playing music, it was like very grounding. And I had never gotten that from, you know, academia as much as I did enjoy it. And I knew it was worth pursuing to some extent. You know, I told myself, okay, we're not gonna go to get our PhD right now. We're gonna go, we're gonna move to LA and we're just gonna play music for a year. Let's just give it a year. Let's go play some open mics and just enjoy, you know, your twenties because I can always go back and get my doctorate later on. And I was very lucky to have a professor who also encouraged this, uh, who said, you can always come back and do school for another five years, which is what it was going to be. And so I'm, I'm very thankful um, to that professor. But basically, I, I just moved to LA and I started playing open mics. I just loved it more and more. I looked into music therapy, too. I thought, oh, well, maybe this means I should pursue a career in music therapy, which I'm still very interested in. But it kind of just took over. And I really I loved it. I love the artist community. I love the musicians and all these wonderful creative people really built a community in LA alongside me. And that's where I've been. And that's the world I live in now. Ukulele people are the best people, by the way. Oh, they are. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Out yeah, of all yeah. the musicians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's less ego. That's, that's for sure. Much less ego. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's talk about genres for a second. So in your excellent uh, November 2022 TED talk, uh, you, you talk about not conforming to genres or trying not to conform to genres and describe your music as a mixtape, which I think is brilliant. Um, <laughs> so how, how can you sort of get out of that binary thinking when it comes to music? That's a great question. 
Well, you know, there's there's positives to that way of thinking, this kind of categorical thinking, like, oh, I wrote a pop song, I wrote a country song, I wrote a rap song. There's all these different categories, which makes it easier for us to start writing a song, right? So on one hand, it's like, oh, a, a typical folk song is going to have maybe four verses and a little catchy hook that repeats on each one. And so you have a format, which is great. But after doing that and understanding the different styles, you got to find your own style. And for a lot of musicians, especially indie artists, there's a lot of pressure to fit into a box so that you can fit onto a playlist because that's where the music industry has gone. You know, everyone's trying to get on a Spotify playlist so that their songs can get heard. Uh, it's very frustrating, but basically you have to really think about what you want to hear. And so that's when I, when I write a song now, I don't think, okay, what do the Spotify playlisters want to hear? What's going to match what's already been done? Cause that's really what it is. It's like, if you can make a song that sounds like another artist who's doing well, then your song will go on that playlist. But then you completely lose what you really want to do with the song and how you want it to sound. So I would just say, you know, allow yourself to play with the song. A song is never done, in my opinion. I think you can change it a million ways. I've had songs, I have one in particular called Honey Put Your Weapons Down that I had a nice acoustic, you know, it was a country song at first. It was just me on a guitar and I wrote it as like a country song. Took it into the studio with this Grammy winning, you know, producer. And he made it like an indie synth pop song. And that's what came out. And I didn't really like it. And then I played it on a baritone ukulele at live concerts and everybody loved it. Just this really somber, sad version of it. And it's okay to have a bunch of different versions, in my opinion. I think it's totally fine to even take one of your songs and release it a few different ways. Because there's no one who's going to say you can't. Well, that's it. Yeah. I think a lot of people get traps by thinking that they can't do something in a particular way because you can do it in any way and as you say you can rework it a million times if you want to because it's your song yeah and at the end of the day you can do whatever you want <laughs> yeah unless you're tied to a you know a major label that has very you know strict creative rules why not you know like allow your song to grow and change and you know allow yourself to grow and change at the same time how are you approaching the kind of ever shifting sands of the music industry at the moment because it's just incredibly difficult to predict anything you know what app or what service will be the next big thing like you know TikTok creation or whatever you you want to talk about it's just very difficult at the moment but i always say you know it's a double-edged sword because it's just easier than ever but it's also harder than ever so do you have a a, a particular kind of plan for it or is it are you just kind of going with the flow at the moment it would be great to have a plan. I think plans are great. <laughs> I do not have a plan. <laughs> I will be frank with you. I think there are so many music managers and music blogs out there who will tell you, okay, you got to post to TikTok four times a day. You got to post your single 20 times the first week it's out. You know, there's all these numbers and ways of doing it. And sure, you can try that. You can do it. You can put in all that effort to make all this content on top of like already making the song and maybe it'll go viral. Sure. But the most important thing is still the song. So I would say try not to overthink the business side of the music industry because I do it all the time and you'll get very caught up. That's not what the song is about. The song is about connecting with people on a very human level in a very authentic way. 
And if you can write a song that does that, even if it's just for yourself, if you feel more connected to yourself and understand yourself better, that's the song you should be putting out. And that's the type of music that's going to excite you enough to actually post a TikTok 20 times about it. Because if you just write a song to have content to be putting out because you want to be an artist that's well known on TikTok and has a song go viral, it's very difficult to also make a really authentic, meaningful piece of music and and get people to listen and reshare. But, at the, you know, it, it's hard because we're online all day, all the time. And there are a lot of artists who are breaking on TikTok. And, you know, I've heard that TikTok is starting their own record label and a lot going on there. But I would just encourage anyone who's trying to get attention for their music to first allow themselves to focus on their music and make sure you really like it. Like, make sure it's something that's you, not trying to be, you know, the last person that went viral on TikTok, just trying to be yourself. And then it'll be so much more fun to make content about the song and share stories about it and share the process. Let's get on to, I guess, speaking of binary thinking, I'm putting you into two boxes now. I'm putting you into musician and your bisexuality advocacy, I suppose you might call it. So in 2018, you accidentally came out as bisexual um, in a Billboard interview. Uh, how did your fans react to that, first of all? You know, it was quiet for a little bit, to be very honest. Which must have been worrying, in a way. Very worrying. The thing is, when you come out as bisexual, it's not... I think because of binary thinking, it can be difficult for people to understand what a big deal it is to come out as bisexual. Because it's almost as if you're not fully coming out to some people. And for a lot of like men who come out as bisexual, are they're often assumed to be actually um, homosexual when they've they've told you with words, no, I'm I'm attracted to more than two genders. But that's that's the binary thinking. So we think, oh, they're just they're waiting to come out. And for a lot of women, it's seen as attention seeking or uh, you know just being promiscuous or something like that. And and these are all just negative stereotypes, right? Because we see it in the media. There's not a lot of really good, wholesome bi representation out there. It's usually a villain or something like that, or a plot twist, you know. Mm. So when I came out to my to my fans, I think they were, I would say most of them were not surprised. I think because I was an ally, you know, for so many years beforehand. And then there were some that weren't weren't fans any longer, and that's totally okay. <laughs> you know, I think it was hard at the time. Uh, and I didn't realize that I had fans that would be opposed in any way, especially because it has nothing to do with my music, really. But I think in those moments, you just have to say, okay, well, this is me. Take it or leave it. And you'll feel much better about that. And, you know, the way you, li you live your life is up to you. Exactly. Yeah. And I've, I did. It was so hard for... At least a few months after that, I was just kind of a mess because I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. But then it was like, oh, I don't have to lie to anybody. I can like if I'm doing a live stream and I'm going out on a date, I don't have to be like, I'm going on a date with someone and, you know, not and ignore all the pronouns and things like that. So it was really wonderful. It was really empowering to just completely be myself and not worry. So what, what do you hope to achieve by uh, your advocacy? What I hope to achieve is simply visibility. So a lot of folks who identify as bi will not say that they're bi. They'll say that they're gay or they simply won't, you know, they won't, if they're in a straight passing relationship, they'll kind of 
not make a point some folks because of all the backlash because of all the judgment because it is still seen as a sexuality that doesn't almost exist to a lot of people it's almost like this transient you know in between state that a lot of people doesn't don't think they, that it actually exists so if people could just know that the bi community you know is the largest part of the lgbtq plus community many people identify as bi and it doesn't mean that those people are on their way to identify something else i mean it could and that's totally fine too but it's just simply that bi people exist that's it well similar to the the music landscape i guess it's kind of it must be easier and harder to come out as bisexual these days because there's a lot of online support but then again there's a lot of online abuse oh oh yeah yeah no it's it's hard i've taken a lot of social media breaks unintentionally this year because of some very hateful comments and you know you tell yourself it doesn't matter this is a stranger on the internet just trying to get attention you can delete it you can block them no big deal but at the end of the day it hurts it really hurts to feel that someone could could say something so hurtful so you got to be careful you really need to surround yourself with a with a community that can be supportive some of my favorite fans are the ones who will respond to people in my comments who are saying hateful things so that i don't have to so that i don't feel the obligation to go in and like you know delete that comment or something i have a lot of really positive people really great educated people in the comment sections standing up for the community yeah how, how do you think music can help music is the best huh uh, music <laughs> music helps because i can write a song about how bad i feel i can write a song about anything i can write a song from the point of view of me in being invincible me being empowered me being feeling like nothing can stop me and I think music is just so healing, especially when it's live music and you're looking out from that stage at an audience that's just there to feel a little bit better. You know, that's what we do when we go to see live music. We just want to feel a little bit better. So true. All right, one final question then. What does the ukulele mean to you? Uh, the ukulele. I think, you know, it's easy to think of words like joy and release and I think peace. I think peace would be the most encompassing word for what I feel when I play the ukulele, when I hear the ukulele. Peace, yeah, just peace of mind. That's a perfect answer, in my opinion. What have you got coming up then? A anything you'd like to, to tell us about? Oh, all the things, all the things. So <laughs> you'll be seeing, I mean, my social media is basically going to be home decor for the next month. <laughs> because we're just decorating and building out our beautiful ukulele studio. Uh, but I will be playing live again this year. I've started, I did a few festivals last year and I'm very excited to be playing again this year. So stay tuned for updates on when and where that is. And definitely check out, check out my YouTube. I got a lot of covers that are going to be coming out this year. Mm. Well, speaking of covers, your cover of Tainted Love is one of my favorites. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, that's incredible. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me today. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast. Love the magazine. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. And, uh, well, I hope to see you. Maybe uh, we'll get you down here for the Melbourne Ukulele Festival. Yes, I would love that. Okay, well, thanks, Lucy. Thanks for your time and uh, 
good luck with the rest of the the moving in the boxes <laughs> thank you cameron <laughs> all right. appreciate it all right see ya for all things lucy head over to listen to lucy.com and refer to the show notes for a link to her amazing tedx talk please subscribe to ukulele stories and maybe give it a rating if you're enjoying it now for some music here's a personal favorite of mine lucy and lemaire with rainy days until next time i wish you lots of luck and happy uking Late for work again, already spilt my coffee twice Stuck in traffic again, and the other cars aren't being nice And just when I thought the sun was gonna stick around for a while A raindrop hit my windshield about